For the last several weeks now, we've been looking at the faith journey of Abraham. And, of course, Abraham is one of the most famous or probably the most famous Bible character. We call him Father Abraham. He's the father of our faith. And he is recognized by three, the three major religions as the founder of their faith. Of course, the Jews, the Muslims, and, of course, we Christians look back to Abraham. And we, we honor him and we study him. And we, we can learn a lot from his life and from his journey of faith. And so we've seen, already for the last several weeks, we've seen a lot about his journey of faith. Uh, we've seen him step out on faith and commit to walk with God by faith and not by sight. Abraham was, and I said it every week, he was the first man in the Bible to truly walk by faith. Of course, Noah and all these other Bible characters, God came to him and yes, it took faith to build the ark, but God told Noah what was coming. He said, hey, I'm going to flood the earth and you're going to need an ark to save it. And so he knew what was coming. When he comes to Abraham, he just says, hey, Abraham, I need you to, to leave everything you know and go where I'll show you and walk with me and just trust me. And Abraham steps out in faith and he commits to a life of faith and of walking with God. We, we've seen his faith grow weak when trouble comes and a famine hits the land where God has placed him. He, he begins to lose faith and he, he leaves the place where God wanted him and goes to deal with the problem on himself and just causes all kinds of trouble. And of course last week we saw how he got back into his relationship with God, got back to his fellowship with God, got back to walking with God by faith. His journey, like, like all of our journeys, it's filled with ups and downs. He's got mountains and he's got valleys. He's got victories and he has defeats that he has to deal with. And when Abraham returns to Canaan, after losing faith and going to Egypt, he, he comes back to Canaan, things aren't perfect. There's problems there. And that's a truth that we need to understand. Walking with God doesn't mean you don't have conflict. Doesn't mean you don't have troubles. It doesn't mean you don't have burdens and trials that you go through. And when, when, if anyone tells you that walking with God is a life of peace and joy and no problems, they're lying to you. The Bible tells us if we choose to walk with God... We are going to face difficulty. It says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, in all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's a promise of God. I know it's not one we like to claim, but it's a promise of God. God says, hey, if you, if you decide to walk with me, if you decide to live for me, if you decide to, to fellowship with me. He doesn't say there, there may be persecution or there could be persecution. because You're going to suffer. There's going to be problems. There's going to be trials. Now, God meets all of our needs. God, take care, God takes care of us. He, he protects us. But there's still troubles to deal with. There's still conflict we have to handle. And when Abraham get back, gets back to Canaan, he has a time of conflict with his nephew, Lot. And the conflict we see in the Bible has some serious ramifications in it, and it needs to be resolved. So look in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse number 5. And the uh, Bible says, And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able... Uh, and the land was... I'm sorry, let me get back. And the land, uh, and the land was not able to bear them, and they, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. 
And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the land, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east and separated themselves one from another. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now, this conflict was not a simple issue for Lot and Abraham. And Abraham knew that it had to be dealt with. And when faced with this conflict, Lot and Abraham handled it in completely different ways. And because they handled it in completely different ways, there was completely different outcomes for both men. When faced with conflict and trouble, they responded in different ways with different consequences. Just like Abraham, there are times in our lives when, when conflict will come to us. Maybe it's between a spouse. Maybe it's between a relative. Maybe it's between a brother or sister in Christ. But we have conflict. We have trouble. We have difficulties we have to deal with. And how we deal with these conflicts reveals a lot about our character. It's like, and I've heard the analogy several different times, it's like a pot of boiling water. You stick a potato and an egg in boiling water, it's the same water, it's the same temperature, but they respond in different ways. The egg gets hard and the potato gets soft. They, same situation, they responded differently. How we respond to conflict reveals a lot about our character and it reveals a lot about our faith in the Lord. So this morning, I wanna, as we continue looking at his faith journey, I want to see how Abraham and Lot handled the conflict in their life. First thing we want to notice is we notice a troublesome problem. Look again in verse number five, uh, chapter 13, verse number 5. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt there in the land. Now, the thing with your problems, the thing with your conflict, is it always seems bigger to you than it does to people on the outside. Honestly, looking at this problem, it doesn't seem like a big deal. They had all the land of Canaan. They could have just spread out a little bit more or just the herdmen could have dealt with it themselves. And to me, looking on the out, from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like a huge deal. But when, when someone is telling you about their problem, do not minimize it. That's a problem a lot of us deal with. Someone, someone will tell us our, their problem like, that, that, that's your problem? Let me tell you what I'm dealing with. And we want to one-up them. Like, well, my problems are better, bigger than your problems. You know, you may have all this stuff going on, but my mother-in-law lives with me, man. Come on, I got the trump card, bless God, amen, right, Sue? And so we, we all have, we all think our problems are huge. When someone comes to you with a conflict that they're dealing with, don't ever minimize it. Because it, you may look at it and it's like, well, pff, that's not a big deal. Well, it's not a big deal to you because you're not going through it. But it's huge to them. 
And so Abraham and Lot's problem, we can look at it and go, that's it? Your, your, your employees weren't getting along? That's no big deal. But it was a huge problem that had huge ramifications behind it. It was a serious problem that they were dealing with. So first of all, let's look at number one, the cause of the problem. Now, both Abraham and Lot, they had gained incredible wealth from their journey all the way from the Ur of the Chaldees. So they had incredible wealth and they had incredible power. They were both successful. They both had large herds with a lot of employees or herdmen that worked for them to take care of everything. And there's nothing wrong with being successful. You know, some, there, there's nothing wrong with, with, being, with, with God blessing you and being successful and having a good job. and make a, There's nothing wrong with it or having these things as long as you are controlled by the right spirit regarding these things. See, Lot and Abraham both had a lot of possessions. They both faced the same conflict. But Abraham, he was led by the Spirit of God. He didn't care about his possessions. He cared about his relationship with Lot. Lot just cared about Lot. Lot just cared about, well, I want the best land because I want my herds to, to flourish. I want to make sure my stuff's taken care of. He was controlled by his possessions. Abraham was controlled by his relationship with God. If you're controlled by your things, you're going to be in danger like Lot was. The problem wasn't between Abraham and Lot yet. It was between their employees. But Abraham recognized the danger of the problem. So the cause of the problem, well, they didn't have enough land. Their herds were getting along. No, no, no. The cause of the problem was Lot wasn't being led by God. And Abraham was. The conflict, the cause of the problem. Secondly, look, look at the course of the problem. Now, the, the problem wasn't getting resolved by the herdsmen. And Lot wasn't doing anything about it, so Abraham had to step up. Had to step up. Both groups of herdmen, they wanted the best grazing land for their herds. And it's understandable why, because they have to answer to their boss. They didn't want to come back to, to Lot or come back to Abraham and say, well, your herd didn't get fed real well today because the other herd was there, and so we had to go somewhere else. So the, the conflict came between the two of them. They wanted the best for, their, for their, their, their herds. They were focusing on their wants... And their desires. When you stop focusing on what God wants in your life and start focusing on what you want and your desires and your wants, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems that, that are going to come up in your life. The problem got so big that there was danger of Abraham's men and Lot's men dragging these two men into the conflict. Contention was rising between the two groups, and in turn, it was going to rise between the two men. So we see the cause of the problem. We see the course of the problem. For, secondly, let's see a tender proposal. Now we're going to see Abraham sees this problem. He sees this conflict. We're going to look at how Abraham decided to deal with this. Look in verse number 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. See, Abraham recognized the problem, and he didn't want this issue between his employees and Lot's employees to cause division and contention between him and Lot. And so, in order to head off a conflict, he makes a proposal. He comes to Lot and says, Lot, we've got to deal with this. 
and here's my plan. So what does this proposal entail? Well, first of all, it entailed a plea for peace. Abraham shows a gracious, loving spirit when he's dealing with Lot. Abraham is the elder. He could have come to Lot, and and whatever Abraham said was going to happen. So Abraham could have come to Lot and said, Lot, your herdmen are getting on my herdmen's nerves. You need to leave. You need to go home. Go back to Ur the Chaldees, go back to Haran, go back to Egypt. I don't care where you go, Lot, but get out of here. You're causing trouble in my, my, my flocks, and I don't like it. Or, Lot, I'm going to take the good land. You take whatever's left over, and don't worry about it because I'm in charge, and I could have made that decision. He could have legally, and he could have made that call. He could have said, it's my way or the highway. But have you ever noticed, my way or the highway is not a real good way to resolve conflict? Husbands, you ever been fighting with your wife and just told her, just, just, we're, we're done. Stop. Do it my way or that's it. How, how often does that work? You ever told your wife to calm down and she actually calmed down? It's never worked for me. When I say, just calm down, that, that's, that's like just throwing gasoline on the fire. So it's not my way. My way or the highway does not work. And Abraham realized it. He could have done it. He was the elder. He had the right and the responsibility to do it. But he didn't do that. He could have told Lot to go back home. However, he gave Lot two reasons why they should live in peace. And these reasons, they apply to us today. The first reason he said is, number one, they were brethren. He said, because they were brethren, they should love and respect each other. Because they were brethren, they should live in peace. This is true today when conflict arises in the church. And look, conflict arises in the church. We're all people. We're all sinners. We all have opinions and desires and wants and things that we think things should be done. And so people, somebody may sit in your seat next week. How are you going to handle that? Conflict comes up. And, and Abraham said, Lot, we're brethren. There, there shouldn't be conflict between us. John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Even in the best relationships, conflict is a possibility. And in the church, we should have peace and we dis- should display tenderness and love to other believers. But since we are humans, conflict will come, but we have to deal with that conflict the right way. Conflict Trouble, disagreements, they never give us the right to sin. They never give us the right to treat someone else wrongly. There is nothing so important that it should destroy or interrupt the work of God in His church. God cannot bless in an atmosphere of strife and contention. So Abraham comes to Lot and says, Lot... We shouldn't be fighting. We shouldn't allow this to, tr- to bother our relationship. We've got to handle this. We've got to deal with this because we're brothers. Second reason he gave, because the heathen were watching. They were in the land that God had promised them. But the Bible says the Canaanites and the Perizzites still dwelt in the land. They were still there. And the, the tr- this caused a couple of problems because if they were to have conflict... First of all, it would put them in danger of being attacked. The Canaanites were a warlike people. 
And if they saw Abraham and Lot fighting amongst themselves, they would have looked at that as an opportunity to come in and, and attack these two men and steal their possessions and, and, and take for themselves what they wanted and destroy them. So Abraham says, look, the Canaanites are watching us, and so we can't have strife between us because it puts us in danger, and it's not safe for us to be doing that. But he also said, they're watching our testimony. The Canaanites were watching Abraham because he had he served a different God than they did. He was unique from them. They, they wanted to watch how his God blessed him and protected him and, and took care of him. And they, they, they were watching his testimony to see how is Abraham's God different from our God. We face the same problems when conflict arises in the family of God today. Satan is looking for conflict between believers so he can come in and scatter the flock. So he can come in and stop the work of the kingdom of God. And when we fight, the world sees our lack of love, our lack of tenderness, our lack of forgiveness, and they say, they're no different than us. And since they're no different than us, why do we need their God? Their God does nothing for them. We damage the testimony of ourselves and we damage the testimony of the gospel. See, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it's meant to change more than just your eternal destination. It's meant to change you. It's meant to conform us into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And if it doesn't change you, the world notices that and says, why do I need Jesus when they're just like me? Why do I need their God when, when they're, they're just like I am? They're, they're fighting and they're bitter and they're angry and they're just like us. So, so why do I need what they have? Abraham realized the consequences of not dealing with this conflict. And so he comes to Lot and he makes a plea for peace. The second thing we see in his, his, his uh, plea for peace is he has a, there's a, not only a plea for peace, but there's a price for peace. When we strive to resolve conflict, it's always going to cost us something. Otherwise, we're not really trying to resolve anything. Again, my way, the highway, doesn't work because it is selfishly trying to resolve the conflict. It's coming to someone and saying, you're wrong and I'm right, so you just stop doing what you're doing, do what I want you to do, and everything will be fine. And that, that, that never works. Look, that doesn't even work with my kids. So why is it going to work with anyone else? So we can't selfishly try to resolve conflict. It's always going to cost us something. Abraham willingly gave up his rights as the elder of the family. He could have chosen first, but he yielded to Lot. He willingly placed Lot's happiness, Lot's wishes, and Lot's rights over his own. That's not something we see done very often. Even our, most of us, we don't like placing someone else's desires over our own desires. But it's something we're commanded to do. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, I know what some of you who know the Bible are thinking. Well, Ephesians 5, that's, that's talking about the marriage relationship. Not right yet. Yet it's not. Ephesians 5 is talking about the, the Spirit of God living inside of you and how the Spirit of God inside of you is supposed to affect your relationship with everyone else. He is going to say in one more verse, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. He's also going to say husbands, husbands, submit yourselves to your wives. But so he's not just talking about husbands and wives here. He is talking as a church family, submitting yourselves one to another. Now, submission, we, we don't like that word Submission. Because think, man, I'd, that means I've got to do what someone says. They're going to boss me around. I've got to say, yes, sir. That's not what submission is. 
Submission is just placing someone else's needs above your own. And it's not something we like to do. But if that doesn't convince you, maybe Romans 12.10 will. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. As believers, we're to take the example of Christ and we're to place our desires, our wants, our needs aside for the needs of others. We're to place others above ourselves. We should never compromise on the truth of God, but there are times we should prefer others over ourselves. Abraham made a plea for peace knowing it would cost him. Thirdly, we notice not only his, his testament, he had a promise for peace. Now, how could Abraham willingly give us the best land for Lot? Because he knew his cause was safe with God. He had faith that God was going to take care of him because God promised he did, he would. So he's like, hey, Lot, you can take whatever land you want because God's promised to bless me. So even if I'm left with the desert, God's going to bless me because he promised he would. He was trusting in the promises of God. God had already promised to give Abraham all the land, so whatever land Lot took, it was still Abraham's in the long run. His faith didn't rest in what he could see or what he could gain. His faith rested in the promises of God. When our faith truly rests in God, we can, we can afford to hold our possessions loosely. Because it's God, not us, who looks after us and provides for us and protects us and takes care of us. Abraham, he didn't get bitter or angry when Lot chose the best land. He just did everything he could to resolve the problem, even if it cost him dearly. Abraham demonstrated the character of Christ. Jesus did whatever was necessary to reconcile us with God the Father. He left heaven, became humanity, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, a death we should have died, was buried in the grave for three days and rose again, all to reconcile us to God the Father. It cost him dearly, but he was willing to do it. He had a promise. Abraham, he made his plea for peace. He had a tender proposal and a plea for peace a prom- and a promise for peace. And then let's look at how Lot handled it. We see Abraham's way of doing it. Then we see, number three, a tragic plan. Look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. That was, it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east and separated themselves one from the other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Abraham made his decision to deal with the conflict based on his relationship with God, his faith in God. Lot didn't do the same thing. So how did Lot respond? First of all, Lot lived by sight. Lot made his decision based on what his eyes told him. He claimed the land that appeared to be best for his herds. He didn't consult with God. He just lifted up his eyes, looked at what pleased him, and he chose what what made him feel happy. He chose the flesh. 
He satisfied his own selfish desires. He did exactly what Eve did in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree, that it was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. She saw something she wanted. She ignored the command of God, and she did it anyway. That's how every single one of us get into sin. We see something that entices us, and we, we do whatever we want to do, not caring what God says. Lot lived, allowed his flesh to live for him. First John 2.16, for that is for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Lot saw the land and chose it because it reminded him of Egypt. He was fulfilling his fleshly appetites, not the desires of the Spirit. Whenever you stop walking by faith and go after your own desires, we are walking by sight. Lot lived by sight. Secondly, we see Lot lived for self. Lot's choice demonstrated a total lack of regard for the needs of Abraham. He didn't care what Abraham got. He looked and said, man, those plains, they're well watered. They can sustain my herds. That's a good place. I'm going to take that. Abraham can do whatever Abraham wants to do. He wanted what he wanted. He lived to please one person, and that person was Lot. He was selfish, and he didn't respect Abraham. He's just like many people today. You know, everything today is about my rights, my life, my wants, my needs, my way. Look, your life is not your life. Your life was a gift given to you by God the Father, and He still owns it. So living your life to please yourself is not living to please God. Your life is His life. And when you live for self, you will always be in conflict with someone over something. Because everyone else is living for self too, and there's always going to be conflict there. You always have your feelings hurt over something. Lot lived for himself. And then thirdly, we see that Lot lived in Sodom. He left the life of a pilgrim behind, and he settled among the sinners of Sodom. And he was comfortable there. He raised his family there. His daughters got married there. And eventually, in Genesis 19, he loses his testimony and he loses his family there. His decision to live for self, his decision to live by sight, cost him dearly. And it will cost us dearly as well. You may not lose your family, but you will lose your influence. You will lose your testimony. You will lose your usefulness for God. You know, sadly, Lot's way of dealing with conflict is how many believers handle conflict when we face it. Abraham and Lot needed to separate. But Lot chose the wrong path for the wrong reasons, with the wrong attitude, and his choice led him down a dangerous path that cost him everything. Abraham's choice, it brought him blessings and honor from God the Father. 
If you have to be honest this morning and compare yourself to one of these two men when you face conflict, which one are you? Are you Abraham, who took the last place so another person could go first? Or are you more like Lot, who grabbed everything for himself and without regard for anyone else? You know, I think all of us could, could use some help in the area of dealing with conflict and trouble. The way to receive help is, first of all, admit the need. Admit that you need help dealing with conflict. Admit, you know what, God, I want to be like Abraham, but too often I'm like Lot. I'm selfish, and I want to please myself, and I want everyone to do what I want to do to make me happy. And God, I don't want to be like that. I want... So first of all, to admit, admit you've got the need. And then ask the Lord to help you. Some of us here today, you may have an issue with another believer. You've got to get that settled. By the way, even Jesus says, look, if you've, you come to the altar to worship God and there's conflict between you and another brother, God says, don't come worship me until you get that dealt with first. Go deal with that conflict and then you can come and worship God. So you've got issues with another believer, you've got to deal with that this morning. You can't put it off anymore. It must be settled. God cannot bless you and God cannot use you for his glory until it's taken care of. Some of us here... Myself included here, we've got problems that we are being very self-centered. Others, maybe your problem is you're having trouble forgiving someone. Whatever your need, there's help in God. If you'll walk by faith and come to Him, trusting Him to change you for His glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.